Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Over Easy. My name is Manny. In case you're new here or welcome back, today's episode is pretty exciting because I'm about to leave for my second solo trip to Austin, Texas very soon. And I'm going to be talking about all how I plan a solo trip and how I go about actually executing it. Because I know a lot of people dream about going on solo trips and traveling by themselves. But what I've learned this year is that for some people, the execution is a very difficult part. I have no problem with that because I'm just a very hot-headed person sometimes and I just go with it. But for other people, it's not as easy. But before we get into today's episode, I'm going to do a rosebud and thorn as we always do. Rosebud and thorn is a check-in in case you are new here. A rose is something good that's happened to me this week. A bud is something I'm looking forward to. And a thorn is something that's not so good that happened this week. Okay. Let's start with my rose. My rose for this past couple weeks, no, for this past week, I mean, is that my boyfriend and I celebrated our two-year anniversary together, and that was just super exciting. I've never had a relationship as long as two years. This is my longest relationship and it was just super fun. So let's go over what we did together. Um, We celebrated on Friday and Saturday uh, because my boyfriend doesn't work on Friday. So it was very nice. We started off by going to high tea for lunch on Friday. I've never been to high tea before, but obviously I've seen it on social media and stuff. And honestly, it was pretty fun. It was $58. We went to La Petite Cuillère in Vancouver on Main Street, in case you are from Vancouver or interested. And it was $58 per person. As I said, you get to choose your tea. And there were so many options of teas. I picked the raspberry parfait tea, I think. And then my boyfriend picked one. I don't remember what it's called, but it was like a very smoky black tea flavor, which I honestly think was super interesting. And I've never tried a tea like that before, so... It was pretty cool. But anyways, our high tea consisted of a set menu and there were, I think, 12 items included, a bunch of sweets and then also a bunch of savory items. Some of my favorites or some of our favorites, my boyfriend and I, were pretty similar. We both really loved the egg salad that came with our high tea. It was egg salad flavored with tea, flavored with that smoky tea flavor that my boyfriend ordered. And... It was just so delicious. I love egg salad. I think it's like underrated, to be honest. I love egg salad sandwiches and egg salad in general. It's just like a new thing that I've been liking. But yeah, that egg salad steeped with the tea flavor was so good and just like so different. And also it was served with a little rice cracker. So perfect. My favorite sweet was we had this raspberry white chocolate dessert and basically it was like a ball of white chocolate but it was also layered with raspberry jam and raspberry filling inside so good the attention to detail was honestly amazing like we were talking about the detail it requires to make high tea in these little pieces although they're small and seem simple like actually require a lot of detail which was very impressive An obvious other favorite was the little cucumber sandwich. I don't know. I just really liked the mayo dip that they had with the sandwich, which was really amazing. And yeah, overall, it was a great time. It was very fun and fancy. Like the inside of the restaurant was just super vibey. And I definitely am not going to make high tea a regular thing because it's pretty expensive. But it's definitely fun to go celebrate something and just 
like enjoy a meal together. And also the fact that the food is so small really requires you to take a moment to be mindful of what you're eating and just be mindful with how fast you're eating. It seems like very little food, but honestly, by the end of the meal, we were stuffed. So that was great. Then um, in the area, there was a bike rental shop. So I went to rent a bicycle since I don't have one. And my boyfriend and I biked all around downtown and Stanley Park, which was so much fun. I hardly go biking because I don't have a bike and also Yeah, I think it's mainly that I don't have a bike, but honestly, I think I'm kind of inspired to buy one now. But um, the area that we were in was Main Street. So we started by going up Quebec Street to Science World, and then we went all along the seawall from Science World to English Bay, cut through to Stanley Park, because Stanley Park, you can only bike one direction, which we learned while we were there. So we had to cut through the park and bike and go back onto the regular path but it was so much fun our total bike ride was around two hours and it didn't even feel like super tiring because biking wasn't that bad first of all and it also wasn't a ton of hills it was pretty flat so very enjoyable it was nice and sunny so it was very nice views of Vancouver and the city skyline and honestly I wish I had done that earlier I'm surprised that I haven't done this earlier considering I've lived in Vancouver my entire life, but glad I finally did it and I definitely want to do it again and just like bike more often. I think it's super fun. It's just that like when it rains, I'm so unmotivated to go outside. Like I just prefer to drive, but in the summer when it's so nice, I think I definitely should like consider buying a bike to just make bike my biking my main form of transportation in the summer because it's eco-friendly it's so easy like you don't have to deal with parking and traffic and in Vancouver it's like such a bike friendly city in general like there's so many bike lanes and stuff so definitely think I will be considering biking and buying a bike soon after biking we went to gyukaku downtown which is basically like japanese korean barbecue japanese korean barbecue isn't my favorite i just don't like how heavy meat there is but it was delicious nonetheless we also got a bunch of bibimbap and garlic noodles and edamame and just a bunch of other side dishes as well i got so full by the end because honestly the high tea filled me up so much and then biking wasn't like that tiring so i wasn't even super hungry when we went for dinner um so i didn't eat a ton actually no i ate a fair amount i just didn't eat a lot and but i was just so full by the end of the barbecue we also got mochi and then um the barbecue place gives you free s'mores to make on the grill so that was super fun and i haven't been to gyukaku in honestly probably three years like before covid Um, I used to really not like it, like I wouldn't really go, but I really enjoyed that meal and I don't think it's my favorite still, but I I have a good idea of it now. It's not a bad thing in my mind, you know what I mean? So that was our dinner and then we basically just went home and chilled, we went for a walk and just slept over. I slept over at his place. Usually I, I don't sleep over because I'm not allowed to, but this was obviously a special celebration, so I slept over for the night, and then the next morning was Saturday. On Saturday, we woke up, took a nice chill morning. We ate overnight oats that we had made the night before, and then um, I just kind of read and chilled while 
my boyfriend had some stuff to do, and then we decided to go to the Catalano Street Party on West 4th in Vancouver. It's a one-time event in Vancouver on West 4th. They basically close down the whole street, and there's music and booths and shops and food trucks and performances. It was so much fun. It was very, very stimulating, first of all, because there were so many people around, but there were food trucks and... Um, we watched a breakdancing competition. My boyfriend bought some flavored honey. We tried this chai infused whipped honey, which was really good. And we just watched some performances and listened to the music and stuff. It was super fun, but definitely very tiring and stimulating. I am not used to that for sure. After COVID and everything, I would definitely say I regret not bringing my water bottle. I only brought my belt bag so I didn't have space, uh, but I regret not bringing my water bottle. Also regret not bringing a hat. I wore sunglasses, luckily. And also, I would definitely not order food at the food trucks there because the waits are just so long and it is also somewhat overpriced, so not always worth it. But it was still fun nonetheless. We went to Whole Foods and then, yeah, I had dinner plans last night with some other friends. So I did not eat dinner with him yesterday. But it was a great anniversary celebration. Today, on Sunday when I'm recording, is our official two-year anniversary. But my boyfriend has to work on Sundays and I just have so much to do with prepping for my trip this week. So we decided to celebrate earlier. So yeah, that's my rose of the week, our two-year anniversary. It's crazy how fast these two years have gone and how much I've learned about my boyfriend and just how much I've learned about being in a relationship, a healthy relationship. It's it's crazy. We were talking about that. Like we I feel like we've both changed a lot. And the key to a relationship, I think, is to accept that. I think if you date someone because of who they currently are or who you think they're going to be, then that'll cause problems down the line because obviously that's requiring that person to stay as one person to stay stagnant their entire life or throughout their relationship, which is not healthy because people change and people evolve and you have to kind of learn to adapt to that and just love your partner regardless. I could totally do another episode. I was thinking about it actually, uh, doing an episode about what I've learned about being in a relationship, but that'll probably come sometime later. Anyways, that's my rose. That was such a long rose. My bud is, hmm. My bud is I am looking forward to going to Austin. I am still working out some details right now, and I definitely have not planned out my itinerary to the details that I did with my Washington trip, but I think I kind of did that on purpose because I kind of want to be more flexible this trip, especially because I have so much time in Austin. I will definitely be taking some rest days where I'm not going to be doing much and just like staying at the Airbnb or just staying local, but there are also days that I want to go out and explore the different areas like downtown and South Congress, so still planning that out. Uh, Today is definitely a day where I'm going to be planning also Tuesday because that's the day before I leave I'm going to be packing on Tuesday but yeah that's my bud looking forward to it looking forward to traveling again looking forward to finally seeing what Austin is like I feel like I have had Austin on my travel bucket list for the longest time since probably a couple years ago honestly and there's really no reason for it other than I'm simply interested in what it's like there because obviously every city is so different and it evolves the way that the people are so I really am interested I feel like you just hear so much stereotypes and stuff like that about people in Texas or people in Austin and I really just want to learn about it for myself you know 
yeah, so that's my bud. I'm heading out on Wednesday. There are a lot of details I need to roll out still, um, which is probably my thorn uh, that there are a lot of things I need to figure out. Like, for example, my flight is at 8 a.m. It's at 8.40 a.m. Um, by the time you hear this, I'm already in Austin, so don't try to find me. My flight is at 8.40 a.m. and I have been hearing that YVR is a nightmare in the morning. The security lines open at 5 a.m., but at that point, usually there are so many people in the security line that I think I'm going to try and get to the airport by 4.30, which is so excessive for an 8.40 a.m. flight. But with the way that Air Canada is right now and everything like that, I think that's the necessary part. So I'm going to have to book an Uber or a taxi to get to the airport that early, which I need to do today, to be honest. And just it's a lot of details. And then also I've just printed out all of the documents that I need. You don't need a COVID test or anything like that. Thank goodness. But for customs, I like to print out like where I'm staying, um, my vaccine proof, like vaccine attestation and all that kind of stuff so that I don't get, have to deal with it later on and I'm not caught off guard. And yeah, I just also have to pack and it's super hot in Austin. So I'm kind of worried about that if I'm going to die there not actually die just die of heat it's going to be very hot and oh my gosh I'm scared kind of scared hot and humid which is not great so that's kind of my thorn is that I just have a lot of things to do before I go also including filming the podcast I'm pre-filming so I'm filming today and tomorrow for the next few weeks so that I have episodes going up but that's okay Anyway, those are my rosebud and thorn for this week. I'm back in my very like chaotic way of life. I feel like I was relaxing for the last little bit and now I'm like super busy again. So not sure if I love that, but that's just the way that it is. So let's talk about how I plan a solo trip. I'm going to be talking about how I planned my Washington trip and also just the steps that I do. And then also talking about my Austin trip, how I plan my Austin trip and stuff like that. Like I said, I think for a lot of people, they dream about going traveling by themselves, which is totally like a dream of everyone's, I think, just traveling and learning about other people. But for some people, it's just not as easy to actually get the ball rolling and figure out what to do. It can be definitely very overwhelming, that's for sure. So I hope this episode helps you out if you're interested in traveling and just wanting to go on a trip. It also doesn't even have to be like a super like big trip it could just be for example if you're from Vancouver you could drive down to Seattle you could go to the island or you could just do a little staycation like that is also totally like valid and also requires planning so I hope this helps and uh, here's what I do to plan a solo trip so my first thing is obviously picking your location for your solo trip Uh, this is mostly where your heart desires. So for example, for Austin, I just wanted to have been wanting to go to Austin for the longest time and I've wanted to see what it's like there and just wanted to travel to somewhere new. I've been to the East Coast and I've been to the West Coast of the United States, but I've never really been to the middle or the South. So I was really interested in what it would be like there and also just how different it would be. Austin is also known for its music culture, food culture and everything like that. So I thought that that would be probably most fitting for me. Whereas for example, a place maybe like Miami or Las Vegas is more known for its party culture and just like having a good time, which you can totally do in other cities as well. But 
um, I found that that wasn't really what I was going for for my trips. I just kind of wanted to explore more of the culture and how people live there. So Austin was more interesting to me. Not that I wouldn't go to Miami or Vegas. I definitely want to go back to Vegas sometime soon because I've never been as a legal adult. I went when I was like a kid and I think it'd be really interesting. Also, just everyone going to Vegas makes me want to go to Vegas. So in general, where I go is where my heart desires. Um, For example, also for Washington. Washington was actually a super spontaneous trip. Um, I was messaging a lot of my friends who are graduating from university, just asking them when they would be in Vancouver because, you know, I wanted to plan out my summer and see when people would be in town mostly so that I could stay in town for those weeks and then go out for those other weeks. But Yeah. So for Washington, I was messaging my friend Amy and she goes to Georgetown and I was like, oh, when are you back in Vancouver? And she was like, I don't really know yet. You know, I might be job hunting and stuff afterwards. So she was like, why don't you come to Washington? And when I thought about it, I was like, Washington does really seem like a place that I'd be super interested in. Obviously, it's known for its tourist attractions like the Congress, state capitol, White House, everything like that. So I'm super interested. I love, personally love museums and going to read things. Like, does that make sense? Like, I love going to museums. I think that's definitely one of my favorite things to do and just reading about the history and the culture of these places. So Washington, D.C. definitely felt like a good fit for me. Also, the fact that it's just such a well-known city. It's not a city. It's an area. I don't even know what it is. It's not a state, is it? like just an area of U.S. that people are constantly talking about and it is literally where the White House is. So I thought it would be really fun to go. So that's kind of how I planned on going to Washington. But I mean, if you're interested, I've always wanted to go to Europe as well. Like literally just where you're interested in, whether it may be just you found out about it on social media or you got a recommendation for a friend. Like I think picking a location is just genuinely where your heart desires because that is what's going to make your trip the most fun. Other things to be wary, wary, is that a word? Other things to be cautious of, obviously, are two very boring things. Well, important, but boring things is uh, safety and also costs. So in terms of safety, obviously, if you are a woman, you want to be cautious of what the night culture and just in general safety is like in certain countries like obviously for example in Europe pickpockets are super common so that might not be a place that you want to go to maybe if you have to constantly be worrying about your bag. Um, For me I always tend to stay around main cities of uh, just because that's usually where all the attractions are but also that's where a lot of people are and I find that that is just the safest for me. Um, To be honest, uh, I was thinking about this point when I was planning this episode. With Washington, I really was never concerned with my safety at all. I am a very paranoid person. So even in Vancouver, when I'm like at home, like I'm very cautious of my safety and I try not to go out at night. But when I was in Washington, I really felt no paranoia or reason to feel unsafe you you can also proactively do things to make yourself feel safer as well for example when I was in Washington I really did not go out at night I pretty much came back to the Airbnb at like 6 or 7 p.m and then I'd just be at home for the rest of the night which might be your vibe might not be your vibe Um, Other things you can do is obviously just avoid areas that are known to be a little bit unsafer and 
uh, take modes of transportation that there are more people on. Like if you take the bus or the subway, most likely there's going to be a lot of people on those things versus taking an Uber or a Lyft. There's only one person, you know what I mean? So just be wary. There are also other countries where it's just known that women may feel unsafe. So do your research. Uh, I would say mostly if you're staying in main cities and popular tourist destinations, you'll be totally fine. But just be careful. Costs also is a big thing. If you're going to a place like New York, finding accommodations is going to be very expensive. Obviously, going to a main city in general is more expensive than if you stay out in the suburbs. But it's totally up to you. I was watching uh, a recent, I was watching some TikToks about how Bali is like super, super cheap compared to traveling in the states or traveling wherever like you can get a meal for like one dollar or something so that's also a consideration thinking about how much you're willing to spend on this trip and just your budget in general will also help nail down some locations or narrow down your considerations those two are definitely the more boring side but also important to consider for sure Once you've found your location, next is about dates and booking flights or booking your transportation in general. So for me, I uh, need you need to be flexible if you're trying to cut costs down. For me, I'm kind of lucky right now because I don't have a job that I'm committed to yet. So I'm really flexible in terms of my life. But I know if you have a full-time job, you might be given certain paid days off so you might be working with a certain time bound but in general if you can try to be flexible also be flexible with like if you're willing to take connecting flights and stuff like that um that's also really important direct flights are usually a lot more expensive and in general direct flights don't even exist right now because of the way the airline industry is but if you can be flexible there's a lot of like charts that you can like pick your days and compare the prices and stuff so use those go on google go on skyscanner go on air canada go on westjet go everywhere on the internet to scour the prices in general i have found that um the Air Canada site is the cheapest, to be honest. Like, for example, um, my credit card gives me points that I can redeem on Expedia for flights. But I found when I was looking at Expedia that those flights are marked up quite a bit more than the Air Canada site in general. So it's up to you. Um, take a look. I would be careful with doing the really cheap airlines uh, like Flair or Swoop. I wanted to book a flight to Toronto. Oh, this is my other tip is to book early. I was waiting to book tickets to go to Toronto because I was waiting to see what my commitments would look like at the end of June. And I ended up waiting until like beginning of June or mid-June to book my tickets. And at that point, the Air Canada flights were like $600 to $700 to go to Toronto when in general it could be a lot cheaper than that. So definitely book early. Uh, it's important to plan in advance. This also might be good for your workplace. If you plan in advance and tell them what days you want to have off, then you could plan what days are the cheapest to fly or stuff like that. But um, I was trying to book f- 
for going to Toronto at the end of June and it ended up having to be that I had to book with Flair Airlines and if you don't know Flair Airlines is basically like one of the cheapest airlines in Canada like the flights were 50 bucks because they were having their summer sale and you're like oh my god that's amazing but you have to think about uh, the external costs most of the time when the flights are like 50 bucks or 40 bucks or super cheap like that it's because there are additional costs that you have to pay so for example they don't include a carry-on or checked bag so you have to pay for a carry-on and a checked bag if you check in in person there's an additional cost so you'll have to check in online which is totally fine you can check in online Um, I believe there were extra costs oh you had to pay for any seat not even just like the better seats you paid for any seat on the plane and there were just so many additional costs that the cost ended up being around 600 to 700 dollars which was the same as Air Canada So just be careful for those. Also, uh, the reason why I didn't go to Toronto and I didn't book for Flair Airlines was because they also wanted me to fly out of Abbotsford at like eight in the morning. And if you don't know, for me at least, it takes me like an hour and a half to drive to Abbotsford. So having to do that at like three in the morning was not ideal for me. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm canceling my trip. I'm not going to Toronto because of this. So I definitely wish I could have booked earlier than I would have been able to go to Toronto, but you live and you learn. Also thinking about how long you want to go on your trips for. So for me, Washington was a five-day trip, but six days total with traveling. I took an overnight flight the first day. Um, And I honestly found that five days was totally good. I'm actually kind of worried about going to Austin because my trip is 12 days long. I think I definitely could have shortened it. I don't know why I picked 12 days, but we'll see. I think including rest days and stuff, I'll probably only have like eight days of actual fun times. Like the first day is basically over because the first day is a traveling day. It's a flight day. So just be wary of that. Like usually if you book the days, you have to consider that your first day and your last day are traveling days. You're getting ready to go to the airport and like dealing with all that. So definitely be careful with that. Also taking overnight flights. I definitely like, I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend it or not. Um, The pros are that you can kind of be more efficient obviously because you're not wasting a whole day in the airport but the cons are that my day after my overnight flight was absolutely terrible I only got like three hours of sleep just with the time difference and stuff so living off of three hours of sleep for the first day of traveling was not fun I had a pounding headache the whole day and obviously I couldn't go to the Airbnb until the afternoon and I had plans and stuff so it was not fun. I was just like in a bad mood and it just made my traveling not very fun because I wasn't well rested. So it's up to you. Maybe if you're able to survive on three hours of sleep, you can do it. But I don't think I will be booking overnight flights again unless I absolutely have to or I know that I can sleep right after. The other thing is connecting flights. I would definitely also not book connecting flights with a layover of less than two hours. I talked about this in my Washington episode, just my like hectic travel day, but I was so stressed out both of the times I had my connecting flights thinking that I would miss my flights because the lines weren't open or I just didn't have time and I had to go through customs. That was also a big thing is that when you're traveling to the States, you have to go to customs or just internationally in general. So you have to allot time for that. Also just like allotting time in general to get 
to your gate and just like pee and all that. It was crazy. When I was coming back from Washington, the flight landed, the first flight landed when the second flight was boarding already. So I was running, sprinting to the airport to get through customs. I couldn't pee. I had to like get this girl to watch my suitcase while I was lining up to board to go pee because I was going to pee my pants. It was very crazy. So definitely book layovers with more than two hours. I know that it seems like a waste of time. You're like, oh my God, I have to wait in the airport for four hours or whatever. But that four hours goes by so fast. You can eat at the airport, just relax. You can sleep. You can, you have to do your customs and like fill out all the paperwork and stuff. I think it's definitely super important. We'll never be booking a flight with less than one hour or two hours layover unless it's domestic. Because that was honestly so traumatizing and not a good experience. It was so not fun. And yeah, I just like don't like my travel experiences to be tainted with that like negative attitude. I think it's just not fun. It just starts your trip off wrong or ends your trip off wrong, right? Because you're like remembering all these bad moments. But anyways, that's kind of how I book my flights. Definitely book early to get the cheapest uh, options and Connecting flights are fine. I actually probably like connecting flights more than direct flights because then you don't have to sit on the plane for as long. But that's just my personal opinion. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all for dates slash booking flights. So once you are done booking your trip, like you're going to your trip for sure. Next is talking about accommodations. So accommodations is there's a wide variety, right? You have your hotels, you could also do Airbnbs, or you could even do a hostel. So for my trips this year, let me think about it. For my February trip when I went to Seattle, I stayed in a hotel. Obviously, that's the most expensive option. Um, I believe when I was looking at hotels for Austin, my trip to Austin, it would have totaled to about two grand for 12 nights, which is a lot of money. The plus side is obviously that hotels have very nice amenities and you just get better service. And also there's other amenities like uh, there's room service. You can get them to do your laundry. There's a gym there and all that kind of stuff. And I actually did book a hotel for like the first time when I was going to Austin. But I just realized like the price is just way too much for me. Um, so the other option is Airbnb. I did consider a hostel and I'll talk about why I don't want to do a hostel in a little bit, but for Airbnb, all my other trips have been Airbnb. I think it's just a lot more fun. Um, so for example, for my trip to Kelowna and my trip to Washington, I stayed in an Airbnb. Uh, you definitely have to book early in advance as well because Airbnbs fill up so fast and also booking early will get you a cheaper cost. For Airbnb, I found that it's just great because most of the time the hosts are so nice. I've actually never had an experience in an Airbnb where the hosts are not nice. As long as you read the reviews carefully, I think you'll have a great experience. Most of the hosts are just so welcoming and able to like accommodate to you and they're willing to help you out if you're like looking for plans or looking for specific things. Like it's just great. Definitely look at reviews and um I would definitely consider the number of reviews as well. For Washington, I was kind of a bit of a YOLO mindset. I booked an Airbnb with only four reviews because 
that Airbnb had just recently opened and I was definitely quite worried at first but when I got there it was totally fine my Airbnb host was so nice he works from home so he was always usually there at the Airbnb but also allowed me to have my own freedom and privacy it was a little bit freaky that I was like in his house like sometimes I've stayed at an Airbnb where it's like a separate suite like for example when I went to Kelowna it was a basement suite so it was still in their house but not as in their house so you know what I mean like for my Airbnb in Washington I was literally in just like a room in his house like on the same floor as him and I was like oh my god like he is really trustworthy that like I won't come and hurt him at night not that I would and also I was kind of freaked out like oh my god he could literally just come up to my door so definitely lock the door uh when you're sleeping at night and stuff like that but overall Airbnb people are like just super super nice I've found their hosts they're willing to accommodate and willing to to help you out. The reason why I didn't go for a hostel, there is a famous hostel in Austin that I was really considering, especially because it was super cheap and I knew that I was staying for a little while. But the reason why I didn't go for hostels was just in general safety and my paranoia. Um, I'm a very paranoid person, as I've said, and that helps me out a lot because I'm super wary of my surroundings. But the hostel like the hostels that I've seen, you have to share a bunk bed with people that you don't know. Like they're just random travelers. And also it's just not very private. And I was like, I'm such an introvert. I definitely need my own space to just relax and be in bed without being disrupted. Like I was reading reviews of hostels online and I just heard horror stories of how, you know, the people who you're sharing a room with snore really loud or they're just really noisy or they're just really smelly and one thing that I think can definitely taint your experience on a trip is your accommodations because obviously that's where you go to relax and just enjoy you should I personally prioritize my sleep and personal time a lot so that is something I'm willing to spend more money on and go for an Airbnb versus a hostel. Also the area of hostels might be a little weird. For example the one that I was looking at in Austin first there's a speakeasy on the first floor or like the basement floor so obviously there are people talking and playing music all night long and I was like how am I going to be able to fall asleep if this is the case? So definitely considered an Airbnb for Austin. Hostels though are a great way to meet solo travelers I've heard but personally for me the purpose of my solo trips is not to meet other people like I'm not very pressed about meeting people that I'm going to be BFFs with. I actually really want to go and just be alone which I know not everyone wants to do on a solo trip but for me personally I just like the idea of being alone and doing all the things independently so definitely if you're interested in being in a hostel, like consider it. But for me personally, like what I want to get out of my travel experience and also just my lifestyle, I don't think I'd be able to survive in a hostel. Yeah, I think it's, I think maybe if I go to Japan, I would consider going to a hostel just with like the conditions. Like I think Japan is a little bit nicer, cleaner and quieter. But with Austin, I was like, I don't think I could survive being in a hostel where there's a bar on the bottom floor and people are going to be partying until like 4 a.m. I could not do that. 
Also consider the location. Obviously, your accommodation has a big impact as to where you're going to go. For me in Washington, I really didn't leave the area around my Airbnb much. I took the bus if I wanted to, but that area was very important because that was where I was getting breakfast and all that kind of stuff. So just be careful with that. Uh, In Washington, I stayed in Columbia Heights, which was honestly really nice. I stayed right next to a school. So obviously that's a good neighborhood. Um, And it was like a 20 minute walk from a big street where there were a lot of cafes and restaurants and stuff. So I was completely fine with walking and it was great. And yeah, location is also pretty important just because I think you have to obviously be wary of your safety and what that area will be like. The last part that I'm going to be talking about for planning your solo trip is obviously your itinerary. What are you going to be doing on your trip? So this, I don't know if I have the most efficient method, but this is what I do. Obviously, starting with Googling what are the famous tourist attractions in that place that you're going to. So for example, in Austin, I Googled what were the famous attractions. And from there, I literally just go on a Google Maps scrolling spree. It's crazy. So for example, I know that one of the main attractions is the state capital that is in Austin. So from there, I just look at where the state capital is on Google Maps and I kind of just scroll around and look at different restaurants that are there and all this kind of stuff. Like I said, this trip is a lot more flexible. So I feel like I'm just going to be choosing restaurants based on how I feel on that day. But For example, for Washington, I was on Google Maps looking at where my accommodation was and then from there just kind of scrolling around to see what was nearby. Luckily for my accommodation, there was 14th Street right next to, not right next to, but like three blocks down and on 14th Street there were so many restaurants and cafes and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of just went from there and scrolled around and just clicked on everything possible. Another thing is planning by meal because for me it's a lot easier to plan by meal and then just kind of stay in that area. So one thing might be you want to look at all the different cafes that are available in that area that you're staying or in that city and all this kind of stuff. Also look into the bus system. Uh, When I was in Washington, I didn't go knowing the bus system, but my Airbnb host helped me figure out how to get a Metro card. And then I was able to take the bus and I just have so much more freedom with where I wanted to go. So that was super fun. Um, But honestly, the main way that I plan for my trips is going on Google Maps and just scrolling around, taking a look at what is there. And, uh, yeah. Also, it might help to watch vlogs or look at blogs of people who have gone to that place before. But honestly, I think it's a lot more fun if you do the exploring yourself. One thing that I really liked was when I was looking for my Washington trip, I saw all these places like, oh, Trader Joe's, and then there's a cafe next to it. And then being able to see that in real life was like kind of cool. I thought that was super cool, at least. Something different about like actually seeing it in real life, obviously. So there's that. And then also go by area. Um, For my trip, upcoming trip, I'm planning to just kind of spend the day in a certain area and explore there rather than trying to go like five different places in one day. Just stay in one area and then hang out there, see what it's like, and then just go back home. Also, resting in the middle of the day is super important. That's what I find really helped my trips and makes it a lot more enjoyable for sure because I get really tired in the day. I also like to start my day off early. So 
resting in the middle of the day is really important or else I will really, really lose energy. And just be flexible. Flexibility is key when you're solo traveling because there are a lot of things that could come up that you don't know about. And it's just important to keep an open mind and be careful and be willing to adapt. But yeah, that's kind of how I plan a solo trip. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you found it helpful. Um, If you have more questions, let me know. But that's kind of really how I plan a solo trip. It's really about winging it, to be honest, for me, because I think that's super fun. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you follow the podcast on Spotify or YouTube, wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, maybe. And I will see you in my next episode. Bye.